This episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is brought to you by the Trek Geek Shop. Now you can help support our show and get yourself some cool Star Trek gear at the same time. Check out our line of t-shirts, mugs, hats, and other items for your inner Trek geek at shop.trekgeeks.com. Hi, this is Kat Roberts, Lieutenant Elizabeth Palmer on Star Trek Continues, and you are listening to the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. Welcome, one and all, to Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. It's also Adam Drosen's 12th favorite podcast released on Tuesday. Little known fact. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. Thank you so much for downloading. We really appreciate you being here. Joining me as he does every week at this time, well, let's just say if he was a character in the JJ-verse, he would have been put off the ship for trying to create lens flare with a coconut flashlight. He is the amazing visual effects wizard, Dan Davidson. And Dan, welcome aboard, buddy. This enterprise is a lot bigger. It's very strange. Strange things are happening today, man. First of all, I had a dark roast coffee. And then tonight, I'm drinking a Guinness beer, and my Jeep turned into a Prius. We have to be in some kind of alternate universe. (laughs) And I will give all the credit in the world to the professor for letting me build that coconut flashlight. That, he was such a brilliant guy. I really miss him. I, um, I'm, I'm amazed you didn't ride in on a motorcycle across an Iowa cornfield. It was a thought, but then I would have gotten involved in like jumping over spaceships and having some really loud music blaring behind me. Who would have known the Starship Enterprise was built in Maine? Anyone? I, hey, you know what? When things change, they change for the better. <laughs> yes, don't they always? Well, in case anybody uh, wasn't 100% sure from looking at the title of this episode, we will be considering the J.J. verse or the new Star Trek movies that began in 2009 under the direction of one Mr. J.J. Abrams. Isn't that right, Dan? Yes, I'm looking forward to it because it's a controversial topic. I think we're both on the side that we enjoy the J.J. Verse movies and we enjoy the J.J. Verse. There are some things that we um, can take issue with, but it's uh, it's a very polarizing topic. So we figured why not do it now? I agree. And because it is such a polarizing topic, there may be those that have their own opinions on the J.J. Verse and want to send them to us. How might they do that, Dan? Well, on Twitter, Facebook, and I'm not going to do it like that. I was going <laughs> to. On Twitter, Facebook, and Skype, uh, our handle is Trek Geeks. You can also send us an email, as always, at trekgeeks at starfleet.com. Call us at 508 784 
1701. Let's try that again. Or you can leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks. Leave a message right on your computer. Also join Camp Kittimer over on Facebook. We got some great discussion over there. We got a lot of cool people. Uh, you're going to get early access to the Trek Geeks podcast if you're a member. Uh, so just join the group over at facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. And just remember that any comments or messages you leave us anywhere in these places may be used in a future episode. And now, Bill, I'm shooting it back to the studio. Thank you, Dan. We appreciate that report from the field. Nice work. Thank you. Speaking of may be used in a future episode, Dan, before we get to news, we have a couple of listener emails. Yes, we do. One of them is from our good friend, Trey Womack. And uh, it says the following... I'm writing to you all today because I disagree with Bill about Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. In my opinion, it's one of the best films of all the Star Trek films. The reason I say this is the loyalty that Kirk shows for his friends, willing to give up Starfleet, his command, his life as we knew it. He didn't know if he would end up in jail or discharged and serving in another fleet altogether. Another thing, the rest of the crew did the same thing for two people, basically. Uhura, she put Mr. Adventure in a closet with a phaser, no less. I bet that's a court-martial offense by itself. And then Scotty sabotaging the Excelsior for his friends. Then Sulu blasting the console to rescue McCoy from the brig. Then one of the most pivotal parts of the whole film, in my opinion, Kirk destroying his one true love, the Enterprise, no bloody A, B, C, or D, to give him and his friends a chance at life. Also, uh, not believing in the no-win scenario, Kirk's, my God bones, what have I done? And McCoy says, you did what you had to, what you always do, turning death into a fighting chance to live. That's just so beautiful. And yes, I cried in the theater when I watched her burn in a blaze of glory. By the way, when it came out in June of 84, I had finished the 10th grade going into the 11th grade and went to the theater and watched that movie every day that summer. Thanks for reading this. I know it's probably too long. No, Trey, it's not too long at all. We love the email and we thank you for emailing us. Uh, Dan, you may <laughs> commence with the response. <laughs> well, I think I have a new favorite listener because <laughs> he put you in place, sir. That's right. You don't even have to say anything. Just sit there and breathe loudly because now we can all rejoice in the fact that you are wrong. Star Trek Three is one of the best of them. And you, sir, are incorrect. <laughs> no, everyone is entitled That's to their true. own opinion. But it's nice I, when somebody points out that they disagree with you. I And I <laughs> am thankful for that. I'm yep. glad that Trey took the time to send his impassioned email yep. because he's right about a good many things. And I'm psyched that he loves it. I had no idea he saw it every day that summer. That's awesome. That is a lot. And I'm just giving you a hard time. But it is fun um, because Star Trek Three is one of my favorites. I will never forget the Enterprise exploding, the way it was disintegrating the saucer section as it closed in. And yeah. you saw the, oh, that was just, just so great. Um, Christopher Lloyd is a great Klingon. I just, no, he's not. I think he's great. I he's love terrible. him as a Klingon, man. He sucks. <laughs> you suck. Trey, you need to let us know what you thought of Christopher Lloyd as the Klingon as well because you didn't mention that. And then we can read it again, and I can put Bill in his place yet again on the Trek Geeks podcast. I didn't say that there wasn't anything good that happened in the search for Spock. I said that it was incredibly slow, and it is. I just don't. I never saw that. That's it's incredibly. There are entire periods of that movie where nothing happens. Sort of like when I sit and listen to you. Wow. Hmm. Really? Yeah. So, anyway. So, um, <laughs> Trey, 
you you take this round, my friend. I, there's really nothing that's going to bring me over to that side. I too cried when the Enterprise oh, yes. met her fate because she was my boyhood ship of dreams and remained so mm-hmm. even in my 40s. But um, I just I, I don't have a lot of love for Star Trek Three, and I especially can't stand um, <laughs> Krug. Krug, whatever oh. the name was. Oh. <laughs> Oh, well. oh, the power of Genesis. <laughs> How was that? Was that pretty good? That was not bad. You know, you, you, you're getting better. We'll, we'll keep practicing. I um, He is my least favorite Klingon other than the guy in Star Trek V, Claw. Oh, oh, yeah. That is just, we'll talk about that in a future episode. I think, I think we might, yes. You do do a very good impersonation just in your looks of Valkyrus. So I congratulate you for that. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. Hey, uh, that was a great email by Trey. We actually have another one that I'd like to read, if I may be so bold. Please. Um, This comes from uh, uh, one of our listeners uh, who goes by Hubcap Dave. Guys, I listened to your podcast with Tommy Kraft today. You guys did a very good interview with him. While I'm on the opposite side of the fence than you on the Axonar situation, I have no desire to try and tell you that you're wrong. Rather, I do have a question for you. At the end of your podcast, you mentioned about how Mr. Peters billed Axanar as an independent Star Trek film until the lawsuit occurred and expressed criticism about that stance. You also mentioned that you both donated to the project. Considering that Alec pretty much had made that statement from the very beginning, at least to my recollection, did you guys have the same problem with that statement when you donated? Despite our differences in opinion, I did enjoy listening to your podcast and I plan to check out some of the others. Also, I made a mention of your podcast with Tommy in my most recent blog post. Hey, Dave, thanks very much for the email. We really appreciate it. You have some good points, and I believe Bill has a reply for you. I do. Um, In the interest of full disclosure, I did send this response to him in email, so he should have gotten it there. If for some reason he didn't, I'm essentially going to read my reply that I sent word for word. And here it is. Hi, Dave. Bill here. Thanks so much for listening and downloading. I truly appreciate it. Our problem was not that Alec billed Axanar as a, quote, professional independent Star Trek production, end quote, or that he stated specifically for two years that it wasn't a fan film. Our problem was actually that since the lawsuit, he's insisted that Axanar is only a fan film and is doing nothing different than any of the other fan films. And the last two years of his statements contradict that entirely. On the Axonar website, they've removed all the verbiage that says Axonar was not a fan film, too. The About page on the Axonar website used to have the following paragraph, quote, But making a fan film was not of interest to Alec. A veteran entrepreneur and a 2004 Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year winner, Alec decided that if he was going to make Axonar, it needed to look like a real film. So Alec recruited his good friend Christian Gossett, a virtual artist whose groundbreaking graphic novel, The Red Star, includes James Cameron and Ridley Scott among his fans. His first short film has won several awards on the film festival circuit, and his second film looks like it has Oscar potential in the short film category, end quote. Ever since the lawsuit, though, that's disappeared completely. So it was independent and professional only as long as it was convenient to market it that way. When it wasn't, that's when it started to be called a fan film. We mentioned that in episode 43 to Axanar and Beyond, and we also made a brief reference in the most recent episode about it being convenient to be called a fan film now. 
to provide an answer to the rest of your question, no, we didn't have a problem with his saying that Axanar was a, quote, professional independent Star Trek production, end quote, when we donated, because Alec also insisted that CBS was totally cool with everything they were doing and that he had a great relationship with them. When those facts begin to unravel last August, when I was personally started to question what was being stated publicly because it didn't seem to match what was being said by CBS. We didn't talk about it at that point on the podcast because there was no clear indication of a problem that would halt Axanar. It didn't come to a head for me until Tony Todd stated on Twitter that he was no longer a part of Axanar, a detail that was never disclosed by Alec on his podcast or on the website. It made me ask myself what else we weren't being told as donors, and I became very uncomfortable with the pattern I saw and the lack of transparency in the production that claimed to be nothing but. I hope that provides a bit more context and answers your question. Thanks very much. That's some pretty cool stuff. Um, it, one of the things that I like about uh, reading your reply is that you answer every question completely with facts, and you and you you quote those facts, which is something that hasn't always happened when we're discussing the situation with others. I feel like a lot of the Axonar talk from Axonar occurs in an echo chamber, that everything is sunshine and lollipops and unicorns, even when there's things that are not going right, because that's the PR spin. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't say that with any fact, because I don't know what they talk about over at Aries Warehouse, uh, Studios uh, Warehouse. But all I know is what's not been said to those of us who have donated. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't bring up the fact that you know, the patches that we donated money for two years ago still haven't been shipped. Sorry, almost two years ago. And apparently they're sitting in boxes on tables waiting to be shipped because they don't have labels. I was like, I'm sorry. Um, if there's a problem with Aries Digital, the backer fulfillment system, fix it. It's been almost two years. I donated personally about 250 bucks between the two fundraising campaigns. Mm -hmm. And I can buy those same patches from the backer store and get them shipped immediately. Yet I donated money to this film, what, 18, 19, 20 months ago. Um, and I still don't have any of the physical perks. And that's, that's disgusting to me. It is, but you can also get a cat patch now. <laughs> yes, I can. I, I can get a patch for Boomer the Cat, which is phenomenal. So, no. um, Hubcap Dave, I'm sorry we didn't use your last name because I'm afraid I'm going to butcher it with a last name like Smith. All other last names are daunting. But uh, seriously, thank you for listening and thank you for your email. I appreciate your asking that question and giving us an opportunity to clarify things. Kudos, man. Oh, Dan. Hi, Bill. It's time for the news from treknews.net, our great friends over there who do such a great job covering all things Star Trek. Um, there are two amazing pieces about Star Trek Online, which is really surprising because it seems like you never hear anything about STO. I am so excited about these recent announcements. I can't even stand it. Um, 
I will say that I have not played it lately, but I am going to start playing again. Um, first one came out about a week or so ago as we record this, um, that Star Trek Online has announced that their next expansion is coming out. And oh my God, does it look amazing. It's called Star Trek Online Agents of Yesterday, and it will transport players back in time to play alongside your favorite TOS characters, starships, characters, lighting. The ambiance is just amazing. The trailer looks great. And it also has some guy doing the voiceover work on that trailer that you might recognize. So you might want to check that out. Uh, and speaking of voices, also very excited that Chris Dewan from Star Trek Continues is going to be doing the voice work of Scotty in this expansion. So that's really cool. That is so amazing. It's so awesome to, to even to grasp that he's going to be doing his father's voice, uh, playing his father in this game. It's so great. Um, and other big news is Walter Koenig is going to be doing Chekhov. So they're bringing back an original series actor to do a voice of his character from 50 years ago. That's really cool. I can only hope to get George too before they roll out because that would be amazing. Oh God, it would just be so great. Um, I think we're going to post a trailer uh, on the, uh, on the website to check it out. It looks just remarkable what they've done, but I thought that the news for Star Trek Online couldn't get any bigger than that when we saw the trailer last week. Well, what happened today, Dan? They came out with another announcement, Bill, and I'm going to get right into it. They announced that this fall, Star Trek Online will be available to play on the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. What? (laughs) It, uh, It is at this point, I would like to tender a preemptive apology to my lovely bride. Hi, honey. It's me. I want to apologize for the fact that you're about to become a Star Trek Online widow. <laughs> you may see me come up for air or deodorant or maybe Doritos. I'm not sure which. But I really apologize for the fact that I'm going to be glued to my Xbox. We may be hermetically sealed together. And I want you to know it's not you, it's me. I love you. That's very nice. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to try to get my wife to play. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just fantastic news. I was reading the announcement on Arc Games' uh, website today, and the thing that they're working on right now is is the PC game is, is, is quite... Uh, intense. You have to use virtually your whole keyboard when you're playing. There's lots of keyboard yeah. combinations and stuff. They're working right now to make the game so it'll be playable and enjoyable on a controller that only has 12 or 14 buttons. Um, so it'll be really great to see how that comes along. They say, like I said, release this fall. I cannot wait. The only question I have right now is if we have characters on the PC version, are they going to be transferable over to the game? Because I right. definitely want to be playing the TOS uh, expansion when it comes out, but I got kind of want to know if I can wait and play it on the Xbox One, play it now on the PC, and bring it over. We'll find out, I'm sure. This is huge for somebody like me who's not a big PC gamer, mm-hmm. simply because I don't do well with using a full keyboard for games. It's very confusing it's to me. Very, uh, it's basically with me, it's a WASD keys. That's about it. Yeah. Up, down, back, left, and right. That's about as far as I go. And so the fact that it's being announced for consoles is amazing. Yeah, it is. I'm that very was psyched. Huge news. When I saw the announcement today, I actually didn't believe it for a second. And I actually had to go to the Arc Gamers site to see that it was real. And when I found that out, well, you saw my reaction. I think I typed about 4,000 exclamation points in the, in the chat window. 
<laughs> yeah, I lost count at about 3,200. So I think you're pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Dan, there is also some sad news in the Star Trek universe. A veteran actor of hundreds of shows has passed. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. This year being the 50th anniversary, we seem to be losing a lot of a lot of those people. Uh, William Shallert, who played Niles, Niles Barris in The Trouble with Tribbles, as well as you saw him again in Trials and Tribulations, uh, and also saw him in Deep Space Nine Sanctuary. He passed away this week at the age of 93. Uh, it was on May 9th when he passed away. Uh, like you said, hundreds of different appearances and TV shows throughout the decades. Uh, another Star Trek family member, uh, and we are sad to see him go. We really are. William Shallert was one of those actors who was all over the golden age of television and into the 60s and 70s and 80s. And you almost can't you know, go through a decade of television without him contributing. Uh, it's a huge loss of a a classic actor, a veteran actor, a prolific actor um, who turned in so many great performances and he absolutely will be missed. It's amazing to me that someone who was just in one episode of the original series, that character is one that you instantly recognize, you know his name, and it, it, it's really, it, it just shows how uh, how beloved his character was as Mr. Well, Barris. Yeah, it really was. And you consider that, you know, probably his biggest role in early television was on the Patty Duke show. Mm -hmm. And there's an entire segment of the population who, who don't know him for that. We know him for Star Trek. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. So I know MeTV was uh, going to be rebroadcasting The Trouble with Tribble soon. Sounds okay. like a good weekend to, uh, to break out the DVDs or the Blu-rays and, um, and watch that episode again. I think that's a great idea. Let's do it. And Dan, um, finally in news today, um, hey, how are things going in the Axinar case, buddy? <laughs> well, it's funny that you should ask that question. Um, I'm going to read a headline uh, in regards to what's going on. Uh, it's basically, quote, Axinar crash. Judge denies motion to dismiss. Big story. Um, on Monday, the Axinar fan group, uh, Alec posted that they were looking forward to the judge's decision in a few weeks and that they thought that uh, he would, um, uh, the judge would um, approve some of the motion to dismiss, but didn't go into specifics of what they thought would be dismissed. Um, however, it didn't take a few weeks, Bill. It only took uh, a day because the next day the judge came out and dropped the hammer and denied every single motion to dismiss request that uh, the defendants brought forward. And it was pretty amazing the language that the judge used while describing all of the different things that he was denying. It really, it really casts a shadow over what I think they are hoping to accomplish uh, in this lawsuit in defending themselves. I don't, I didn't think they had a chance before. I don't think they have a shot in hell now based on what we saw. Yeah. That's going to leave a mark. <laughs> you know, I'm no expert. I'm not a lawyer. Nor was I trained as one, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, there's no way that has a good ending, especially if you're hoping to make a movie. Yeah, he will never be able to make the movie he originally intended. Speaking of endings, I'm going to read a quote from Judge Klausner. He ended his um, decision with the following, which is kind of funny. Quote: Although the court declines to address whether plaintiffs' claims will prosper at this time. 
the court does find plaintiff's claims will live long enough <laughs> to survive defendant's motion to dismiss. For the foregoing reasons, the court denies defendant's motion to dismiss. That tongue-in-cheek, that is like – that's to me, that's just another slap in the face. He's saying, yeah, here you go, guys. Live long and prosper. Suck on this. It reminds me of Quinto Spock in the, in the uh, first J.J. movie when he's at the Vulcan Science Academy. And he's live long and prosper. Essentially, <laughs> go to hell. Yep. Yeah. That's, um, that's how it strikes me. Yeah, it's it's it it was uh, it was pretty blunt. I think I don't think there's any way that the spin can be made to to really uh, cast any hope, but I'm sure that there will be. One seven zero one news dot com has a great story on it, which has a lot of the details, which I'd recommend uh, going to check. If you don't like one seven zero one news for whatever reason, all of the Star Trek outlets have the story, um, and the documents are all out there, available to read word for word. But uh, things are not looking too good at this point for Axanar and the folks associated with it. Now we should point out at this juncture that there is nothing stopping Alec Peters from going out and starting to film Axanar tomorrow. Exactly. There is no prohibition by the court. Is it the smartest idea? Nope. Because their defense all along has been, well, we haven't, we don't have a movie yet. Well, as soon as you start shooting, you do. And so that strikes me as something that probably will not happen. Yes. As a matter of fact, let me bring up one small thing about that. Uh, the denial that the judge gave also includes the unproduced Star Trek Axanar film, and I'm quoting the article here. Um, and the attorneys for Axanar claimed that it was premature to challenge Axanar since the film had yet to be made. The judge disagreed, saying that um, the final and locked script, as Axanar declared last August on social media, was more than sufficient to claim copyright infringement. So posting the pictures on social media has bit them in the um, posterior, I guess is the best way to put it. Social media seems to be a real bad place for them right now, in my opinion. It really is. You think that they would learn. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. Moving on. Dan, our iTunes subscribe and review effort rolls on, and you have a new review to read. I do. It's from Charlie AM. Every time I see the word Charlie, I have to say it like that because I'm rewatching Lost. Sorry. Uh, Charlie AM says, Trek Geeks, an hour-long Vulcan mind meld with a couple of guys who talk about everything you want to hear about. Bill and Dan make you feel like you're part of the conversation as they unleash their knowledge of and love for this thing called Star Trek. I love the positivity and humor they bring to each podcast. Keep up. Keep it up, guys. Sorry. That's, that's a cool review. Very quick, very succinct. Says what he wants to hear. And you unleash knowledge, sir. Wow. I am the bringer of knowledge and light. What can I say? <laughs> Charlie, thank you so much for your review. Uh, we, we truly appreciate it. You know, that's, we're, not, <laughs> we're not trying to be trite. We're not just you know, paying lip service to it. We, we in our, from our hearts, truly appreciate everyone who takes time out of their day to submit a review. Please don't forget, if you do submit a review, you are entered into a chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card in either the U.S. Amazon store or the one closest to your country in U.S. dollars. 
Please uh, go to trekgeeks.com slash iTunes for more details. That's trekgeeks.com slash iTunes. Dan, this is a topic we've put off, but we figure that now is as good a time as any to dive in, especially with, wait for it, Star Trek Beyond, just over two months away. And Dan, we're going to talk about the JJ-verse tonight. Well, it's, uh, I'm a little scared. Are you? Do you need a hug? Not from you. I'm not going to hug you. Okay. No, it's, I'm actually very excited about this. We've we've talked about the JJ verse off and on for a long time. Um, we both have a lot of thoughts on on the JJ verse, so I'm really looking forward to the conversation because I think it's going to cause conversation from our listeners, and that's what yes. we want. So, yeah, that is what we want. Yeah. Um, we've had some great conversations on Camp Kittimer. I'm sure this will uh, will will be a similar story. And we hope that other people join us there to talk about it. Dan, thinking back to, I think it was probably 2008 when the movie was announced, or at least when they were starting to announce plans. How did you react when you heard that essentially the original series era was being recast with younger actors? I was very excited because we were getting a new movie. Uh, We both know how we felt with Nemesis. Um, and we thought that was going to be it. So the announcement that they were going to do another one was something I think took a lot of people by surprise. And I was ecstatic about it. Um, knowing that it was going to be in the TOS era made me even more excited. And I really didn't even mind the fact that they were going to be recasting. Uh, I thought that the uh, casting of Chris Pine was going to be really, really great. Um, I don't recall how I felt about the other cast um, announcements. But it was something to me is like, I think both of us were like, oh, my God, another Star Trek movie. When is the trailer going to be out? When is all the details going to be out? It was kind of those sitting on the edge of your seat thing for a long time. Yeah, I remember when the announcement was made. I wasn't happy. Really? Yeah, I I didn't like the idea of new people playing Kirk, Spock, McCoy, etc. Because, I mean, those characters are so iconic. And I didn't think that people would be able to bring the same elements to portraying those characters. Hmm. And I think that's just because I have such a, or and I, know, I know you do too, but I have such a visceral tie to that era, you know, because that's what, that's what I grew up on. You know, I watch Star Trek every Saturday morning, you know, it's comfort food. You know, I watch TOS and, and it, it makes me happy, but you know, I, I, I gave it a chance. I said, well, you know, maybe it's time. Mm-hmm. Shatner can't play this role forever. Exactly. Yeah. The guy's in his eighty. Or the guy's what eighty now or whatever he is. Eighty-five. Well, now he is. But Back then, yes. Yep. It's like yeah, it's it's probably time. And you know, at that point, D was gone. Jimmy was gone. You know, it was like, well, you know, m- maybe this is the right thing to do. So that was kind of how I felt about it when it was announced. Overall, what are your thoughts on the JJ verse as a whole? I have never had a problem with the JJ verse. Um, I like the idea that it opens up so much potential new stories. And I've always felt that way. Um, I think at first, some of the things that happened in the first reboot were shocking and completely unexpected. And I think that fueled a lot of the JJ verse hatred that came out and has continued to this day. You don't expect certain things to happen in Star Trek, like the destruction of Vulcan 
uh, or the death of Spock's mother. Um, those were two things that I think a lot of fans uh, will never forgive JJ for doing in that movie. But I don't think that the things that happened are things that should lower my enjoyment of the films and of the potential for that universe. The thing to keep in mind is it's, it's a parallel universe. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit later, but um, a lot of people think that the prime universe is gone now, but that's certainly not the case. No, it's not the case at all. The prime universe went nowhere. That's like you said, it's an alternate timeline. It's a parallel timeline. However you want to designate it. It's, it's a fork off the original. And I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think that it was the only thing they could do because otherwise they would have been bound by, you know, 40 plus years of, of mm-hmm. canon. Yeah. And if they had ignored that entirely, people would have been up in arms. So they created, you know, is it a loophole? Is it a workaround? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a reasonable one. I mean, how many different Earths can we have in the DC universe? You know, Good Earth point. 1, Earth 2, Earth whatever. You know, or or the Marvel universe. You know, they've they've had various you know, realities or whatever. I'm I've, I'm not a huge comic book guy, so please don't send me hate mail. Oh, you're doing good. Um, why can't we do that with Star Trek? And I thought that it was at least a creative solution to, you know, bring that crew and that ship into the 21st century. I thought it was a great idea. And why not do something like that? Because if you're just going to do like one of the things that I have a tremendous problem with Hollywood right now is they keep doing reboots of movies that we've seen. Jumanji is now one that they just announced Jack Black is going to be in. Okay. Do you not have any new ideas? And what I thought with this, by creating this alternate universe, it gives them the opportunity for all these new ideas. It's in the quote unquote universe we know. And I don't mean that to be a joke, but it's in a, it's in a, uh, forked universe, but it's what we recognize and gives you the opportunity. I don't want to watch a two-hour movie rebooted with special effects and rewatch the cage over again. I want new stuff, and this movie I think did that. I was I I loved the first one. 2009's reboot I thought was fantastic. I do too. I I think it's a great movie. I love to watch it. Uh, I've I've kind of become lukewarm on Into Darkness. I loved it when I saw it mm-hmm. because it was fun. I saw it in IMAX 3D. Yes, you know the night before it premiered on the Fan Sneak preview. Um, it's it's okay. It does have some massive story problems, but I mean, there are plenty of next gen and original series movies that have True. story problems. Yeah. Um, I, I think the thing that gets me though is just how down some people get on it. Is it perfect? No. Is it the TOS you grew up with? No, it takes place before the TOS you grew up with. Um, but I, I think some of my favorite comments that and I use favorite in very loose quotes. Yes. Is that the JJ verse is an abomination or it ruins the prime timeline, you know, or the one I love is it's got too much action. Oh God. For... <laughs> yeah. That's yeah bad. It's, you know, for decades we complained that Paramount didn't give Star Trek movies the budget it deserved. Yeah. And that they weren't big enough. And now we get the budget that people feel they deserve. And they're huge events. And it's not good enough. I think that's one of the things that I like the most about the first movie was the action. The When they first warp out or come out of warp in orbit of Vulcan and there's just that graveyard of ships. Mm. that act I mean, that's not an action scene other than that they're trying to get around all the debris. 
It's amazing to watch. And that's one of the things I like. It's got action, but it's done in such a way because special effects have progressed so much since the TV shows um, and, and other movies, especially the older Star Trek movies. I just don't understand the, um, the fact that people say there's too much action in it. There isn't too much action in the first one, in my opinion, at all. It's balanced great with a lot of drama, and it's got some fantastic action in it. I, I have to agree with you. I mean, I understand why people think that there's disaster porn in, in a lot of these movies, but that's how Hollywood has trended for the last six or seven years. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, both Avengers movies, you know, man of steel, Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. the two star Treks, um, San Andreas. Yep. Was that the one San Andreas? I was going to say that one. Yep. You took it. Out um, you know, it's, that's, that seems to be what Hollywood does right now. I'm sure that it's a trend that will end at some point. Here's the one for you. Yeah, the new ID four. Have you seen the trailers for that one? The sequel? Don't even care about it. But the disaster porn, so to speak, is oh, really? epic in this. Oh man, yeah. Wow. Yep. I'll have to watch that right after we record tonight, Dan. All right, data's back in it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Brent Spiner is yes. back in that movie. Yes. Um, I think the thing that really gets me with regard to the new movie is that I'm tired of hearing that this is just a Fast and the Furious in space. We oh, talked the a couple Justin of, Lin movie? Yeah. Yeah. We talked a couple of weeks ago about Simon Pegg saying that, yeah, Justin Lin is the fast, you know, directed the Fast and the Furious, but he's more than that. Absolutely. And if you look at his IMDb, he's more than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, motorcycle, uh, okay. Let's see how it fits in in the context of the story. Exactly. We saw it for five seconds. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> I do want to point out. I know that I have people have said that I I kind of put all the JJ people who don't like the JJ movies in one bucket. I certainly don't want to come across as that. I know that everybody's got their opinion. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, and they're right on their opinion. Yep. I don't think that everybody who is a JJ verse uh, who dislikes it is a hater. Me either. But unfortunately, with the way social media is, the most vocal people are the biggest haters, and that's what we see more than anything else. I, I have to agree with you. You know, there are things that I don't like about the rebooted universe. I don't like how the Enterprise is two and a half times bigger than mm-hmm. the Enterprise I know and love. But I don't hate that. You know, I, I don't I don't think it's that huge a deal, no pun intended. You know, it's just there are changes. Well, yeah, the other one that gets me, Dan, is that well they've they've changed the characters. These aren't the same characters. You know, the they're not the same people. Mm-hmm. And that really gets to me because, I mean, these are earlier versions of the same characters. Exactly. And we saw things about the earlier characters in the very first episodes of the Prime Universe TOS. For example, people have said that this version of Spock is way too emotional. Did you watch the cage? (laughs) And he's smiling because he's holding a plant? Or when he's in the rec room uh, playing his harp with a horror and flirting with her. I mean, they definitely pulled a lot of – there's a lot of of kudos, so to speak, to the original series in this first movie that are so in the background that you probably don't catch them unless you watch it over and over again or have read about them and you're like, oh, my God, yeah, you're right. And I think that Spock is a perfect example. I think so, too. And looking at Kirk, I mean, he is specifically more brash mm-hmm. on purpose because he hasn't learned that sense you know, of cause greater than himself. He hasn't learned what it means to be in command. And this is one of the things that I thought Into Darkness did really well. 
forget the fact that, you know, it was a really poorly executed homage to Wrath of Khan if, with Kirk's death. Mm-hmm. But that was the lesson that character needed to learn at that time, what it meant to put yourself before everybody else. Yes. And that taught him what that chair, sitting in that chair meant. One of the other things you talk about Kirk and how he is in this in this universe that I've always disagreed with people that have a problem with it is they talk about how, you know, he's he's this way. Well, we have to remember in this universe, he is thrust into command a lot quicker than he is in the prime universe. The prime universe, he goes through the academy. He's a lieutenant on the Farragut. He does this, this, and this before he becomes captain of the Enterprise. In this universe, Nero is attacking Earth. He's instantly put on the enterprise. And after a very short amount of time, he takes over as captain. And he, I don't, if, correct me if I'm wrong. He hadn't graduated the Academy yet. They were still cadets. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that, I mean, that's a perfectly logical and, and um, reasonable explanation in my opinion for why he's the way he is in this universe. I think one of the best scenes in inner darkness is when Kirk and Spock are talking in the quarter hmm. and Kirk says to Spock, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yep. I only know what I can yeah. do. And he leaves Spock in command of the Enterprise. Now, would TOS Kirk have done that? Probably not. But it was the right call for that Kirk at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually, this Kirk and this Spock and the rest of these characters are going to graduate to the place that they are more mature and they're more like the people that we saw in the original series. You know, take Spock, for example. I mean, one of the things that Leonard Nimoy thought was really exciting about Zachary Quinto's Spock was the fact that he hasn't gained full control over his human emotions at this point. Right. You know, he thought that that was going to be tremendous for Zach to get a chance to play. And honestly, I think it's, it's a wonderful facet to the character. You know, if, if Nimoy was down with that, if he could be excited about it, why can't I? Yeah. And I think Quinto did a great job of funneling that human emotion where you could see it was, he was trying not to. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you could, uh, the, the, one of the one of the scenes that I like the most is when he's starting to lose his temper when Kirk is purposely trying to make him lose his temper. Which, by the way, is a direct reference in my mind to when Kirk and Spock got in the fight on the um, uh, Spores episode of the original series, where he was goading him into get pissed off so that they'd fight and they'd get rid of the, the, what the spores were doing to him. I thought that was, that was a direct um, uh, reference to that. I but you can just see the way that he's, he's, he's trying to, to, to not let it take over. And when it does that look on his face, when he's got Kirk by the throat is, is just awesome. He, he does a really good job of, of trying to find that balance. Zachary mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see what happens in Star Trek Beyond because I, I think, you know, it, it's a different kind of challenge. This crew's into the five-year mission by a couple of years and it looks like all bets are off for this movie. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. I think another thing that, that people are very quick to seize upon is the Uhura-Spock relationship. And you touched on that a few minutes ago. But I, I think the thing that, that I have to keep coming back to is we don't know that this couldn't have happened before. It did. They touched on that very early in the original series, very, very plainly. Um, in the man trap, 
Spock is sitting in the center chair and her comes over and starts flirting with him. Why don't you tell me what it's like to be in a full moon with, uh, on Vulcan with a full moon? And, and he's <laughs> fixing his collar because he's feeling uncomfortable. And he says, Vulcan has no moon, Miss Uhura. So there's that flirting there. Um, and another example is the two of them. Uh, I mentioned it a second ago. The two of them, when they're playing, she's singing and, and he's playing his, his Vulcan harp uh, in Charlie X. And she's sitting there and, and Chapel is kind of giving her the eye and kind of like tilting her head in Spock's direction, like, go get him. I mean, so they definitely play upon it in the, in the original series. You know, I had a conversation with a, a listener who's, who's become a friend on Facebook and he thought that they were acting kind of adolescent. And I just don't see that. You know, uh, Spock certainly is not acting like an adolescent, certainly no. not like a teenager. Um, I just, I think it's something they tried out. There was less of it in Inner Darkness, mm-hmm. although you got to see a couple fight, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but I, it's it's not the kind of thing I have a problem with. You know, there are some people who say, "Well, you know, Spock is first officer of the Enterprise. You know, she's a subordinate." It's like, well, you know what? Star mm-hmm. Trek has always had fraternization <laughs> yeah. from the original series, whether it was Kirk and Helen Noel. Ooh, Helen oh, Noel. yeah. <laughs> or Scotty and Mira Romaine. Or honestly, just about every relationship on, on the Enterprise in the next generation. <laughs> and Deep Space Nine. <laughs> and Voyager. And Enterprise. <laughs> and it's, uh, to Paul? <laughs> yeah, to Paul and Trip. Oh, my God. Uh, sorry, it's, that was Vulcan acupressure. Sorry. Actually. I'm sorry. You know, it's they're in space, they're on long journeys, stuff like that is going to happen. And I think Gene knew that in some science, you know, in a lot of science fiction, there is a, a sensuality and a sexuality on, on some level. And I don't, I think Gene tried to deal with some of that as he could in the sixties. Mm-hmm. And then again, in the eighties, I don't have a problem with Uhura and Spock because odds are those two characters are going to grow out of that. I mean, for all we know, Uhura is going to wind up with Scotty. Yeah. Oh, Hey, wait, that happened once. <laughs> Oh, don't remind me of that. (laughs) You know what I actually always have thought would be neat to see is if Spock and Chapel had a relationship in this universe. Yeah. You definitely know that Chapel loved him in the original series. That would have been a great uh, thing to see. Hey, we still may see it. Who knows? Well, in Into Darkness, they say she transferred Mm -hmm. off the ship or she she, somewhere. Carol Marcus says it when she's right. Get before she changes in the shuttlecraft, which I still don't understand. But. Well, that's Hollywood. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, the movies negate canon is another one. I, oh. There's nothing that negates canon. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a moment if I can, if I may, yeah, and talk about one of your all time favorite films to talk about why that point is something that bothers me. Let's talk about Back to the Future Part Two for a moment. Ugh. <sighs> Somewhere in the timeline skewed. Okay, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm bringing on. The same thing happens in Star Trek 2009 when the Narada goes through the black hole. That changes the timeline, and it doesn't overwrite our timeline. It creates a fork, as you called it earlier. So, for people to say that the Prime Universe doesn't exist anymore, that just does not make any sense to me at all. I, I agree with you entirely. I um, well, yeah, I, I talked about this back when Inner Darkness came out several years ago. 
you know, I, I put a post on trekgeeks.com about my thoughts on Inner Darkness. And one of the things that was in there was, you know, plenty of franchises that have been around for a while can retell their story. You know, how many origin stories have we seen of Batman or Superman? Mm, yes. You know, or how many times can we have different people play James Bond that actually fundamentally change the character? Yeah. You know, or, I don't know, the Lone Ranger or Tarzan or, or any character that's been around 50 or more years. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. You know, it's like, well, that's Tim Burton's take on Batman or, well, that's Zack Snyder's take on Superman or Richard Donner's take on Superman or Christopher Nolan's take on Batman, you know. And it's all okay. Why can't we do that with Star Trek? Why are we prohibited from, you know, exercising that freedom to be creative? I just think it's the, and I don't say this in a negative way. Please don't think I'm being negative. I think it's the rabidness that we are as Star Trek fans. We can't, we can't, or I shouldn't say we can't touch that. You can't change that. That's our Star Trek. And that's where I think the, the, um, division comes from you know there's no problem with changing things if you're in this other universe and making more enjoyable things to watch well i think the problem where we limit ourselves is canon itself i mean people are okay with stories as long as they're books or comic books or fan films or short films Mm -hmm. but as soon as you talk about doing something different with the prime universe and i wish i had reverb right now you know, it's it's tantamount to heresy. And we uh, don't get me wrong. I love the stories. But as soon as this became a universe, yeah. not just good storytelling, we kind of limited ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I agree. That's, that's how one, I feel. One other thing I wanted to bring up about how the movies negate canon. Um, or, or, or don't. Or don't. Yeah. But how the, how the people that say they do. Yeah. One of the things that I'm hoping for, and I don't, the, the, again, this is just a rumor that we've heard. I tend to believe this one because it's been talked about a couple more times than other rumors. Nothing is going to prove our side of the discussion more evident than the fact that there is a strong possibility that the new series on CBS All Access next year is going to take place in the prime universe. Yeah. If if that universe was destroyed, quote unquote, reverb, um, with the Star Trek 2009 reboot, how is that possible? And I know different studios, blah, 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 blah. But you know what I mean? I mean, it's going to be in the prime universe. Then the prime universe is still intact. And how? And I just what dropped something. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that again, Dan. I'm sorry. Um, I just, I, I give up. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's all good. You it know, is. it's more Star Trek is good Star Trek. I mean, whether it's, it's fan films, like, you know, continues or new voyages or, you know, um, uh, Farragut or Potemkin or, mm-hmm. or you name it or, um, Star Trek Reliant, your favorite. Osiris. Uh, Osiris. Osiris. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Star Trek Osiris. Check that one out. Um, it, it all, it all lets us touch that imagination that Gene kindled in all of us. But And that takes me to my next favorite point was that there's no Star Trek in these movies or that it's not Gene's vision. And that's the one that gets me the most is I'm tired of hearing that's not Gene's vision because honestly, a lot of Gene's vision wasn't even created by Gene. Yeah. 
and a lot of genes and, and things that would be categorized as genes vision that wasn't seen in DS nine. That wasn't seen in Voyager enterprise. So even half the time in TNG. Yeah. And some of the times in TOS. Yeah. So well, you, you figure it was a different gene that was responsible for giving us Klingons gene Kuhn. That's true. You know, there were so many aspects of the original series that came on board during his watch that weren't a part of Gene Roddenberry's original treatment. Mm-hmm. Does it mean that they were bad? No. Or flash forward to the movie era in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Nick Meyer, not a Star Trek fan. Yeah. Just like J.J. Abrams, yet he delivered to us what is considered the gold standard of Star Trek movies. Exactly. By and large, it is the favorite Star Trek movie of so many people, and it is decidedly not Gene's vision. Mm-hmm. Does that mean so, it's not Star Trek? <laughs> that's the thing. And, yeah. you know, people say, well, these new movies are an abomination because they're not Gene's vision. I, I'm sorry. I got to look right at Star Trek too. Yeah. And, well, what, you mentioned a, a little while ago when we were talking, putting the episode together about the YouTube video. Oh, yes. The YouTube video. Yeah. There is a YouTube video out there. Um, where's the guy's name? I have it here somewhere. Let me pull it up here. Um, listener Shane Simmons sent us a link last year, actually, um, about the JJ movies. And it is spot on about how I feel and I think how you feel. Um, you know, we're going to recommend that everybody takes a look at this video. We're going to post it on our, uh, on our podcast notes page. It is, it is so great about some of the things we talked about, some of the um, references to the original series. One of the things he brings up, which I think is just absolutely great is the fact that in the next gen or the, the Star Trek movies, a lot of the Star Trek movies and in later episodes, the bridge is dark. There's yeah. not much lighting. This version of the enterprise, even though it's twice, two and a half times bigger, um, that bridge is pretty damn bright. I mean, they bring back a lot of the things that we like to hold on to in the original series, such little things like that. I, th- I think that was a great example. It's about, I think it's like eight minutes, this, this video. It really is well done. We'll be sure to put it in the show notes. I don't like the layout of the bridge. No, a little odd. Yeah, It is a little odd. I mean, they're trying to make it bigger for cinema. I get it, but mm-hmm. I, I don't mind the functionality. You know, it still has things that make me think of the original series, mm-hmm. you know, like the helm and navigation stations, the science station and communications, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah, there's more things. It looks more high tech. I get some people think that the Enterprise looks like an Apple store and whatever. <laughs> you know, it can't look like the 60s or else nobody would take it seriously. Right. Now, as we talk about all the things that we feel about about the JJ verse, we both have talked about how there are things that happened in the movies that we don't like. We right. talked about how you have, have a different take on in a darkness as you did. I'm going to focus on the 2009 reboot for a second. And we've discussed this at length the other day. We actually discussed it as we were preparing for this show. One of the things that I never liked about Star Trek 2009, as I'll call it, was that Nero's whole revenge was completely misplaced. Spock didn't do anything wrong. All he did was, well, well, actually, if you want to say being late is wrong. Um, So, you know, it's a flawed reason to to do what he did. But then again, I want to point out, you showed me that the prequel comics, which are considered part of this whole package of the reboot movie, explain all of that. And I downloaded them and read them on your advice. They were great. And I recommend anybody who wants to learn about 
this movie and the the things that happened before it should definitely check it out because it's great reading. I'm not looking at my copy of it because it's somewhere and I have no idea where it is right now. But um, you know, the story I believe is by Orsi and Kurtzman. It is considered official. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as you know, the, the people who produced Star Trek 2009, they consider it the prequel to the events of Star Trek 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, no one will say whether or not it's canon, but yeah. I don't care. Yeah, because I'm tired of trying to decide whether or not something is canon. You know, it, is it a great story? Does it hold up the ideals of Star Trek? Then great, I'm yeah. all for it. And yeah. that is that books, comics, you know, you name it. Yeah. I, I don't care. I'm going to give you a quick opinion on the comic. It's a four, four comic series. I would have loved to have seen this four part prequel to the 2009 movie be the send off of the next generation cast into the reboot. And for those of you that have read it or will read it, you'll know why I say that that comic book for the four issue comic book could have been a movie. And then the 2009 reboot could have been part two of that movie. I think it still would have been needed as a movie or even an animated movie. Yeah. It would be great. Brent Spiner has has expressed reservation about playing data because he thinks he's too old now. And I get it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's almost 30 years after the fact, but uh, I I think it's a great story and I I think it explains things really well. It does. Now there's a prequel comic for into darkness too. It's called con and I don't like it as much because they kind of back themselves into stories to why Khan looks like Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. And not like say Ricardo Montalban or mm-hmm. as I'm fond of saying a Sikh from Northern India. Right. Yeah. I have not read that one. I don't know if I really want to, to be honest with you. I think you could skip it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> read it or skip it. Skip it. <laughs> Very nice. I like that. <laughs> I, I think there is plenty of Star Trek in these movies. You know, you consider that Star Trek 2009 was a, you know, an origin story. We've never had one of those in Star Trek. True. Yet it gave us one that I thought was worthy of the name. And Into Darkness to me is a treatise on American imperialism. You know, it's what happens when you go for revenge instead of doing what's right. You know, Kirk makes a decision on the fly to not kill Khan, but to take him captive. And what happens? He becomes part of a grander conspiracy that he didn't had no idea he was part of all along and it practically almost gets everybody killed. Right. Whereas if he just followed orders and done what Marcus wanted him to do, there never would have been a problem. So I think that there's plenty of statements in these movies. I think there's plenty of star Trek in these movies. Yes. And honestly, Dan, I can't wait for star Trek beyond because the cast is out there saying right now it is is reminiscent of the original series, which tells me, it's going to be very Star Trek, and that gives me hope. It gives me hope as well. I'm very excited that uh, as we record tonight in about a week, we're going to get that new trailer, so we'll be able to get a little bit more of an idea. Um, I think that the first trailer kind of soured some people's opinion on what it was going to be like because it had that fast and furious look that we talked about earlier. Um, I can't wait. To, I can't wait for it. Uh, I can't wait for any Star Trek movie that comes out. Even Nemesis, I couldn't wait for. Right. <laughs> so I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, you couldn't wait for Insurrection. I remember working with you at that unnamed brokerage house, and <laughs> you were trying to download that trailer over 56K modem, and that thing took like four and a half hours. And when it downloaded, you're like, I got the trailer, I got the trailer. <laughs> um, yeah, regarding you know, marketing and promotion for Star Trek Beyond, you know, 
the Cannes Film Festival in France is is getting underway, and there is a heavy Star Trek presence. You know, one of our listeners, Jason, um, made the comment on Facebook some time ago that you know it'll probably be after Captain America: Civil War that we really start to see the push for Beyond because why start before that? True. You know, essentially, and these are my words, not his. It's going to be you know noise that people don't care about because right. Captain America is going to be huge, right. rightfully so. And I think he's right because now we're starting to see it. The fan events coming. It seems like every Star Trek site podcast except us is giving away tickets. <laughs> Thanks, Paramount. <laughs> Maybe it's because we're Adam Drosen's 12th favorite podcast on Tuesdays. I don't know. I don't know. Adam, we love you. Just kidding. Um, but I, I think you're going to see a push now until July 22nd when the movie opens. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're going to see more and more and there are going to be details leaking out. And I think I think we're going to be surprised. Right. I, I agree. Hey, did you hear what happens in Captain America Civil War? Oh, yeah, you did. I did. You did. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Oh. Well, Dan, it's no spoiler that all year long, we are working on celebrating Star Trek's 50th anniversary as part of our Trek 50 campaign. And uh, if you don't mind, my good friend, why don't you tell us a little more about it? Absolutely. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, we want everybody out there to be part of the special Star Trek 50th anniversary. We want to know about your first time you ever watched Star Trek, plain and simple. Um All you have to do is leave us a message telling us how you began your trek, uh, what episode was your first, or what movie was your first. You know, there's some youngins out there who might not have even seen some of the TV shows. What did you like most? What were you doing? Who were you with? Uh, We're going to take all your messages. We're going to publish them as a special podcast episode for Star Trek's 50th anniversary later in September. Uh, As we always have our phone number, 508-784-1701. You can leave a voicemail. Or you can go right to our website uh, and uh, click on the send voicemail button and send us a message right there. Just please remember to tell us your name, where you're calling from, and please, as always, keep your message less than three minutes so we can get everybody's message on this special podcast. If you want more information, just go over to trekgeeks.com slash trek50 and get all the great details. And Bill... I'm going to send it back to you. Thank you, Dan. Don't you, forget, that's trekgeeks.com slash trek50. Trek50. Do you think people get as sick of that as my wife does? Absolutely, they do. All right, great. We'll keep doing it then. <laughs> you know, Dan, it's entirely possible that the JJ movies could have been somebody's first track, and I think that that's really cool. Yeah, that's right. You know, Absolutely. there are new fans being ushered into the tent all the time, and... As I've said before and will continue to state, everybody's fandom is valid. Nobody defines your fandom but you. And if you love the J.J. movies and that's how you came into the franchise, live long and prosper. That's all I can say. Nice. So, uh, Dan, we would be incredibly remiss if we did not thank our good friends in the band Five Year Mission. They are all of the music here you hear on Trek Geeks. If you hear music, it's them. And it's pretty awesome. It is good. Good. <laughs> they stuff. are your house band for Star Trek Las Vegas in August, the giant 50th anniversary convention run by Creation Entertainment. They're going to be on stage, Dan, for five days. That's a long time. That is a long time. You know who you know I think is going to have a hard time being up there oh, for five days? Oh, God. Who? Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I thought you were going to say something to the effect of that's a long farking time. I know you thought that. <laughs> but you didn't. We're, now, in a prime, we're in a different universe tonight, man. Uh, 
I apologize to my ancestors and my descendants. I, I apologize. But no, seriously, fiveyearmission.net. Please head over to their website. Check out their songs. Uh, all of their albums are great. I, uh, I made a five-year mission reference on Camp Kittimer today, and we were talking about Mary. By the way, horrible episode. Great five-year mission song. Yes. It, it is. is the theme for Stump the Geek, by the way. What song by Five Year Mission isn't awesome, Bill? Uh, your point is taken, damn it. FiveYearMission.net. Go get yourself some albums. Seriously. You'll love it. We promise. It's farking great. It's farking great. Dan, next week, we have a topic that we've said we were going to do for a long time. Uh-huh. Don't we? Tach, bah, tach, Klingons. Uh, it doesn't Your matter. Favorite. Uh, my favorite. It doesn't matter if you love the original series, smoothies, or the <laughs> turtle head next gen, or or the JJ verse Klingons, which oh. I have to tell you, a lot of people hate, and I love, love, love that love JJ Klingon, the JJ yeah. verse Klingons. Klingons next week on Trek Geeks for episode sixty. But for now, oh wait, I'm forgetting one thing. For more great Star Trek discussion. Please check out our friends at the Tricorder Transmissions. Uh, they're online at the thetricordertransmissions.com. Odds are you are going to love their shows. But Dan and I listen, and we hope you do too. And also, for all of the latest Star Trek news, please visit our friends at treknews.net. They are killing it over there. Bang them up. I, they really are. I don't know how they stay on top of this stuff, because it's hard enough to produce a podcast. Can you imagine doing news all the time? Can you imagine if you had to work there? Uh, I would be fired. <laughs> Because I can't write well. <laughs> I know write good. <laughs> you type better than me, though. That's Well, that's true. You do suck at that. Uh, <laughs> for now, this has been episode 59 of Trek Geeks. We hope you all live long and prosper. Blueberry. Different universe. Oh. Uh, bye-bye. Bye. Bing bong. So, I got I can do a theme for you right now if you want. <clears throat> you ready? No. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. I had something all ready to go. All right, let's hear it. Hi, friends. Peter Griffin here. And as requested by Mr. Adam Drozen, I give you the Voyager song by me. Lyrics by Dan Davidson of the Trek Geeks podcast. Boom, boom, boom. Janeway sits in the captain's chair on Voyager. Chakotay's there. He mumbles stuff. Kuche Moya, sir. <laughs> Tuvok stands with his weird head doing eyebrows and Neelix too. 
His lungs are gone, but he won't shut up. Belana yells at some dude. <laughs> I thought it may not have been the best impersonation, but it was fun. I thought you were going to make some reference to the fact that Neelix still sucks. <laughs> he won't shut up. Same thing. Yeah. Hmm? Uh, did you actually scribe out lyrics for that? I did that about a minute before you before uh, you said you were online. I'm like just typing away whatever came in to my mind. Oh my god! <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's for Adam. No kidding. Because we are his eighth favorite. The last time I checked. Well, I don't know what it will be this week. Oh god, that guy! I know he's 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 busting my balls. Balls. Say again. Your balls. He's busting my balls. Your balls. All right. Your balls. <clears throat> Those nice balls. Tribbles? Tribbles? Well, tribbles. Balls. Tribbles. Hmm. Very nice. One moment, please. Okay. Shut your face. Wow. I don't think it needs to come to that. Do I sound better now? You sound you sound good. Mellifluous even. Mellifluously? Mellifluousnessitude? Mellifluousless nomadic. Mella Felicity? Wasn't that a J.J. Abrams show? Wasn't that a TV show with some blonde chick? J.J. Uh, Abrams was the producer of that show. Oh, he did Felicity? Yeah. Right. Okay. I didn't know that. Well, way to go. I didn't know that. I did see that uh, Supergirl has been moved to the CW. I think that's good. Yes, I do too, because The Flash is on CW and it's good. And of course, the other big news of the night is Gronkowski on the cover of Madden 17. We're so screwed. <laughs> He's going to go out. It's like kneecap is going to like fall into his like ear. Hey, do me a favor. Remember not to laugh into the microphone. Ah, uh, yeah, it's okay. I won't. Tazande. <laughs> Chocolate rain. <laughs> Some stay dry and others feel the pain. Chocolate rain. <sighs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Very good indeed. <clears throat> Me, 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 me. Bring up the episode mapping. We got lots of stuff to read tonight. 